This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m., or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m., or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. Just to uh, read here, Psalms uh, 139, verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. Point out anything, anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. And this is something we did a couple of weeks ago. We stopped and we prayed and asked God to point out anything in us that offends him. You know, but this is the kind of a prayer that we should pray, you know, oftentimes. If there's anything going on in me that offends you, God, point it out because I want to get away from that. I don't want that in my life anymore because that will honor the almighty God. My brother-in-law would never wear a seatbelt in the car. I berated him for it. Then one day he picked me up at the airport and he had his seatbelt and shoulder harness on. I asked, what happened? What changed you? I went to visit a friend of mine in the hospital who was in a car accident and went through the windshield, my brother-in-law said. He had two or three hundred stitches in his face. I said to myself, I better wear my seatbelt. Did you not know that if you didn't wear your seatbelt, you would go through the windshield if you had an accident, I asked. Of course I knew it, he said. When I went to the hospital to see my friend, I got no new information. But the information I had became new. The information got real to my heart and finally sank down and affected the way I live. And, and that's the way it needs to be with us. You know, it, it, it needs to become a reality to us. And, and it sinks in to us. What we're talking about here you know, as we read these passages shortly of what God is wanting to do. It's something that becomes real to us. Things that we've heard, things we've known all of our life, but maybe it's not real. Do you, do you put a seatbelt on when you get in your car? Yes. It is very important. Mm. And it's very important for us to obey the promises of Almighty God. It genuinely is. And he tells us here, I'll, I'll read you this passage here before my wife starts reading it. <laughs> that's okay. I know, yeah. I read it last night. That, that's okay. I just, wanted, I just wanted to read it. Go ahead. Is that, is that okay? Yep, you have my permission. Okay. Well, it says here in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, God is speaking here, and he says, if. And if is a conditional kind of a word, you know. If you do this, that's going to happen. If you don't do that, that ain't going to happen, you know. But it's conditional, and he says, if my people who are called by my name, and we are called Christians, you know, after Christ, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves, that's important, humble themselves, pray and seek and crave and require of necessity my face and, and turn from their wicked ways, if my people will turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sins, and I'll heal their land. 
It's all conditional here. And we're talking about revival now. And, and this is really the condition of revival. When we pray and get a hold of Almighty God, and we do some turning, turning from wickedness and turning to God, he says he'll hear us from heaven. He'll forgive our sins and he'll heal the land, you know. Revival is, is to make alive, to, to recover, to repair, to restore, uh, to, to life, to, to be whole, to be complete. In the book of Acts, chapter 3, verse 19, it says, Now turn from your sins. Now we see it again. This word turn, and God's word is telling us, and this is very, very important, for revival to take place in us and revival to take place in our land, he says, turn from your sins. And, and what that's talking about is to repent. To repent means to turn, you know, to turn from sin. I've turned away from it and I've turned toward God. That's repentance and that is a condition for revival, now, says, now turn from your sins and turn to God. Turn from your sins and turn to God. It's not just, hey, I'm just going to turn to God. But all, I'm just going to keep all my sins. Hmm. You know, I mean, me, God's got a thing going, you know, and I can do whatever I want to do over here, and I'm just going to go to him because I want to end up in heaven one day. But see, he says, and we need to understand this, He says, and we've already read it once, he says, turn from your sins and turn to God. Turn from your sins and turn to God. That's what he's talking about. So you can be cleansed from of your sins. And that's the way you get clean. Because if you don't turn from your sin, even though you turn to God, but you don't turn from your sin, you don't really get clean. You're just dirty. As, as, has anybody recognized what happens when you go and wash your hands? That they get clean. But what if you, when you get through washing your hands, you just grab a hold of the, what got them dirty in the first place and just keep playing with that all day long? He says, turn from. He doesn't want us playing with sin. Turn from our sins and turn to God, is what he says, so you can be cleansed of your sins. See, repentance is to change your mind and repentance is to change your direction. Repentance is a U-turn. You ever make a (laughs) U-turn? God wants you to make U-turns. Now, I know there are some streets that I have been on and it says no U-turn. But in relationship with God, God allows the U-turns. When I had the privilege of teaching all my children how to drive, I teach them how to do a U-turn. I think we call it a three-point turn or something. You know? But so you can, have you ever missed your turn? It's like, I need to be going that way. And we need to do a U-turn. And that's what repentance is. And repentance is paramount for revival. It's key to revival, to turn from our sin, 
to do a U-turn and turn to God, God's ways. Listen, uh, see, experience what God is on the move doing and wanting to do in your life right now. That's where revival comes from. And you can be a part of it. But if we choose that, well, I'm not going to turn from my sin, well, then you're really not part of revival. You're not part that God is using to create revival. He's looking for men and women who will obey him and turn from sin and turn to God. That's where revival comes from. And Papa God, start start it in this little circle here. Next time you you take a shower or a bath, do y'all take showers and baths? Okay, so next time you take one and you're in that shower, it's just a little old place there, and you go, God, send a revival right here in my shower. Send a revival right now, oh, Papa God, and I've turned from everything that does not please you, and I ask that you would send a, a spiritual cleansing, not just physical. Send a spiritual cleansing to me and to my life. I'm turning from my sin, and I'm turning to you. Do what you want to do in me. That, that's what we're talking about here. And uh, he says here in verse 20, then wonderful times of refreshment. But, but he says, first word in that verse, he says, then. Then. That's a very important word. It is. He says, turn from your sins and turn to God so you can be cleansed from your sins. Then. then. You got to do that first. Then, wonderful times of refreshment or wonderful times of Revival is what he's talking about. Wonderful times of revival will come from the presence of the Lord, and he will send Jesus, your Messiah, to you again. Repentance brings revival. To turn from our sin and turn to God. Repentance brings revival, and every one of us can be a part of revival that we need, that, that our families need, our community needs, our church needs, our city and state, our nation, our world needs revival, but it begins with you and me where we turn from our sin and we turn to our God. And lots of times nowadays, you know, uh, in the world I, I've been observing for the last, you know, a uh, few years, it's like people uh, have declared their sin not sin anymore. Well, we've changed the name of it. That's not sin anymore. So we, we can, it don't matter. Well, whether you under, look it up in the dictionary, you know, it's pretty simple to kind of figure out. And anything that offends God, turn from it and turn to God. Be a part of the answer of revival that God is bringing into our nation, you know, in, in, into our lives. Here he tells us in Matthew chapter 3, Verse 1 and 2, and he's talking here about re- repentance is, is the theme of John the Baptist. That, that was John the Baptist's theme of repentance. In those days, John the Baptist began preaching in the Judean wilderness. His message was, turn from your sins and turn to God. Now, this is like the third time in, in these verses here we've seen. He says, turn from your sins and turn to God. Enough, and, and he's talking to us, each one of us, and there's consequences if we do or if we don't. But he says, turn from your sins and turn to God because the kingdom 
of heaven is, what's that word? Near. The kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven is near, and we need to be ready. Turn from our sin and turn to God because the kingdom of heaven is near. And then over in verse 8, he says, prove, prove, prove by the way you live that you have really turned from your sins and turned to God. Now, I picked on a brother last night, but I don't think he's here, the one I picked on. He's not here. So I'm going to pick on somebody else. But you got to tell me a little bit about yourself. Who can identify that your life was once upon a time like the Apostle Paul told us his was? He said, I was, I was, I was the chiefest of sinners. I was probably worse than anybody. Anybody can tell us that their life was like that once upon a time? <laughs> Up there? Around here? Over here? Over there? You know what? God changes the cheapest of sinners into his very wonderful, lovable children. He transforms them because they turn from their sin. And they turn to him. And like those of you who've raised your hand and thank you, and along with Rennie, who last night I really picked on him pretty big time, because I know some of his sins of the past, and I've talked to people in town, and, and they're like, what in the world's going on with Rennie? He used to be like this. Well, actually over here, was this, he used to be like this, and now he's so different. Transformation has taken place, and, and it's proved, the evidence is proof. It's not just that you tell someone, well, I'm not the same anymore, but it's your lifestyle. Oh, what does he say here? Verse 2, he says, turn from your sins and turn to God because the kingdom of heaven is near. Prove, verse 8, prove by the way you live that you've really turned from your sins. Let you and me, let's prove by the way we live that we ain't the same no more. Let us prove it to where people see it. They hear about it. It's like, man, what happened to you? I can tell you what happened to me. Jesus is what happened to me. You know, I turned from my sins and I turned toward him and he forgave me and cleansed me. And that's what he's done to several of you. Raise your hand here and thank you for doing so. But prove it. Prove that this has happened. Prove it, the Bible says. Prove, verse 8, by the way you live, that you've really turned from your sins and turned to God. You know, sometimes the closer we get to God, the more we feel sinful. Have you ever experienced anything like that? You, you, you know, it's, it's kind of like this. You know, keep my bottle over there. Can you see all that? Mm -hmm. 
this big bright light. You, you would think, well, we might would help cleanse us, but God, who is the light of the world, the closer we get to him, we see these particles. We see the things that don't please him in the areas of our life. And we think, well, the closer I get to God, you know, uh, I, I, I wouldn't feel guilty in things. It's like, no, we see that we're not really as much like him as we thought because there's all these particles in our life because he is the light of the world and when it shines on we we say well i shouldn't have acted that way you know i shouldn't have talked like that. i shouldn't have thought that way i shouldn't have done that i should have done this which i didn't do and and we can see it sometimes it's because we're getting closer and closer and closer to him and and we 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 feel more sinful because our sin is exposed and that's a good time when we're just like, well, I'm going to turn from all that. I'm going to God and I'm asking him to help me. And that's a prayer he will guarantee help you with. That's just the truth of it. He tells us here in Matthew chapter 11, verse 20, and Jesus continues to call us to repentance. This is part of the gospel. You know, a lot of people say, oh, it's wonderful being saved. All you got to do is just come to Jesus. You can just keep on living the, 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 the old life that you live and just do what you want to do, live for yourself, but you just get to go into heaven. See, it don't really work that way. He tells us revival comes when we turn from our sinful ways and we turn to God. He gave us his son to, to wash our sins away. And that's, that's, that, that, that's the most valuable thing you and I have ever, ever experienced. The gift of forgiveness by the almighty God. Can we read that right there? Then Jesus began to denounce the cities where he had done most of his miracles because they hadn't turned from their sins and turned to God. What was that word? They hadn't. Had not. (laughs) They had not. He began to to denounce the cities. He'd already told them. And John the Baptist was the you know, the, the forerunner before Jesus got here, really, and he was challenging people to, to repent, to turn from their sin and to turn toward God. And, and he says, you know, Jesus began to denounce the cities where he had done most of his miracles. They had seen the miracles of, of God, you know, but he was denouncing these cities because though they saw the miracles, they hadn't turned from their sins. That's what brings revival. It revives us. It, it awakens us. And, and he says, although these miraculous things were happening there, he, he, he denounced the cities where he had done most of his miracles. Be, because... He denounced them because they hadn't turned from their sins and they had not turned to God. Verse 21 says, What horrors await you, Chorazin and Bethsaida? For if the miracles I did in you had been done in wicked Tyre and Sidon, and this is Jesus talking, their people would have sat in deep repentance long ago. If they had seen the miracles, if they had seen the miracles that I had done, these people would have sat in deep repentance long ago. 
clothed in sackcloth and throwing ashes on their heads to show their remorse. To show they were genuinely sorry for the things that they had done. And in verse 22, I assure you, this is Jesus talking. Tyre and Sidon will be better off on the judgment day than you. Be, be, be because of repentance, genuine repentance is a turning from our sin and a turning to God. And you people of Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? No, you will be brought down to the place of the dead. For if the miracles I did for you had been done in Sodom... Y'all remember Sodom? Sodom and... uh, Gomorrah. Gomorrah. He said, if the miracles I did for you had been done in Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah, it would still be here today. Sodom and Gomorrah would not have been wiped off the map. If If I had done these miracles, they would have turned from their sinful ways. And they would have turned toward me, he says. I assure you, Sodom will be better off on the day of judgment than you. On the judgment day than you. Because he was talking to them, he said, because you would not repent. You would not repent. You would not repent. And that's what brings revival, is that we turn from our sin. And, and, and sin is everywhere, and it's a choice that you all make. It's just like whether you make that choice and you make a circle and say, Lord, start a revival right here in this circle, and, and God will say, turn from your sins and turn to me. And that's where revival starts. And then people see that you've changed, and you hold the door, and you're kind, and you're loving, and you're forgiving and revival starts there, and it becomes contagious to those in your sphere of influence. That's what God wants to take place right now. Romans chapter 8, verse 12 says, So dear Christian friends, you have no obligation whatsoever to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Does your sinful nature urge you to do things? Yes. I'm sorry? Yes. Yes. One and three other people out there. (laughs) We are urged to do things that we ought not to do. That's our sinful nature. That's our sinful nature. And it urges us to do that which we should not do. And God says, I don't want you doing that anymore. So dear Christian friends, you have no obligation. You are not obliged to do this. You, are, you have no obligation whatsoever to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. And we all get urges. But you are not obliged to follow the, the urge anymore. Verse 13 says, For if you keep on following it, the, the sinful urge, you will perish. If you continue to follow the sinful urge, And God says, turn from it and turn to me. He says, turn from it and turn to me. That's what he's talking about here. For if you keep following it, you will perish. But if through the power of the Holy Spirit, you turn from it and its evil deeds, you will live. God has sent Holy Spirit to empower us. So you can submit yourself to the almighty God. You can resist the devil 
and you can turn away from him and you can follow the almighty God. Holy Spirit empowers us to do so. That's what he said. If you keep on following it, the sinful urges, you will perish. But if through the power of the Holy Spirit, you turn from the sinful urges and its evil deeds, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you should not be like cowering, fearful slaves. You should behave instead like God's very own children, adopted into his family, calling him Father, dear Dear Father. Father. Papa God is what it's talking about right here. For his Holy Spirit speaks to us deep in our hearts and tells us that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we will share his treasures. For everything God gives to his son Christ is ours too. Everything that Papa God gives to Jesus, he gives it to us also. That's what he says. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Now, the suffering of persecution for for, for turning from sins and, and turning to God. And some people might laugh and chuckle at you about that. And, and if we're going to share all of his glory, well, we must share it says his suffering. Uh, Jesus suffered the crucifixion, did he not? Yes. He died. And he tells us to take up our cross, to, to, to crucify our flesh. That, that we would take up our cross. I am crucified. The scripture says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but it's Christ who lives within me. And we die to our old sinful urges. We die to our old sinful nature. Joel chapter 2 verse 12 says, That is why the Lord says, Turn to me now. Again. This is like the fourth or fifth verse. Every time I turn around, I'm reading where he's saying that we need to turn. That's what he says. And, 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 and a U-turn. Do you know what a U-turn is? U-turn. And U-turn, and U-turn, and U-turn, and U-turn, and U-turn. Yeah, but I'm really talking about turning around, but he is talking about you, and he's talking about me, that we do this turning thing, you know. That is why the Lord says, turn to me now. now. While there is time, because there will be a time when there is no more time to turn. Have you ever waited too late about something? Yes. You don't know how many times I've saw something on the side of the road that was for sale, and I'm going, I could use that. I'll stop by there tomorrow. Guess what? It's not there. It was gone, you know. Time runs out on all kinds of things. Maybe paying your insurance or lots of things. that you, you, you It may expire, But he says here, that's why the Lord says to me, he says, turn to me now while there is time. And he says, what? Give me your hearts. Now is the time to give God our heart. Now is the time to do that. Not later down the line when we have accomplished and done everything we wanted to do and now I'll give God my heart. Because 
Now, you could do it if everything's still working okay. But the chances is he's saying here, turn to me now while there's time. While there's time. While there's time. And he says, when you, you turn to me, come with fasting. Do you ever fast? Yes. Do you fast? Yes. The fasting empowers you in ways that nothing else can. You, you, you give up a meal. It might be a day of meals, but it might just be one meal. Where you say, I'm just going to read my Bible. I, I'm just going to listen to it. I, I'm just going to sing and worship God. I, I'm just going to spend some time here praying for some situations that's going on in our world. Like There's lots of those now or maybe a family situation, or maybe someone who don't know Christ yet, then you might only take just one meal. And instead of eating that meal, I'm just going to take this time and I'm going to pray and I'm going to see God. That's what fasting is. And it's not like you work in some kind of a deal. Well, if I don't eat, then God answer my prayer. No, when we fast, it, it gets us spiritually in tune with him. Uh, we, we get so much closer to him and his power flows to us a lot more. We'll have to talk about much more about that at another time. But he says, come, when you come to me, you know, and, and we give him our heart, uh, he says, fast. Come with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Weeping and mourning because of the things we've done. And we've let him down in so many areas. And, and he says, here in verse 13, Don't tear your clothing in your grief. Don't Tear your clothing. The religious leaders would do that. <laughs> Don't tear your clothing in your grief. You know, uh, their repentance became only a ceremony. You know, they, they acted religious. They, they acted like they were really religious by tearing their, and, and God said, I want you to tear something else. What did he say? Tear your hearts. Tear your heart. Not your clothes, but tear your heart. I'll give you a new one. That's what he's telling us that he wants to do. He says, if I'm where I'm at here, he says, don't tear your clothing in your grief. He, he, he said, don't, that's just ceremony. That's just something to look good in front of other people. He said, instead, tear your heart. You know, be, be broken because of your sin. Be, be broken because of your sin. That's where the weeping and the, the mourning comes in as well. And he says, Lord, return. Don't tear your clothing in your grief. Instead, tear your hearts. Return to the Lord your God. If he says return, that might mean that we kind of drifted off course or something. You reckon? Is it possible that we kind of drift off course from time to time? Yes. He says, return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful. He is not easily angered. He, he's not easily angered. God don't get angry as quick as you would. He says, return to the Lord your God, for, for he's gracious. He shows you favor. And he's not easily angered. He is filled with kindness. God is filled with kindness. 
Turn from your sinful. God is filled with kindness and he is eager not to punish you. That's so different than the way so many people look at God. They think he's up in heaven getting ready to clobber them, you know. Have you ever seen that thing at the, what is it, say the fairs where you bang the mold? Whack-a-mole. Whack-a-mole, <laughs> yes. And God ain't that way. He is so eager, he says, to forgive us. God is not mad at you about anything you've done. He is not mad. You may break his heart because he loves you so much, but he just wants to forgive you and cleanse you. He's not mad at you, and he makes it very, very clear right there that he's eager not to punish you. And then in Luke chapter 24, verse 44. Then he said, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me by Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must all come true. Then he opened their minds to understand these many scriptures, and he said, Yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah must suffer and die and rise again from the dead on the third day. And and, and why did he die? For my sins. Because of my sins. And he said, turn from our sins. And, And that's why Jesus died, because of my sins. And he says, turn from my sins and turn to God. Jesus died for my sins to wash me clean, to to wash me squeaky clean. With my authority, take this message of repentance to all the nations. Beginning in Jerusalem, there is forgiveness of sins for all who turn to me. There's that word turn. Jesus says, with my authority, take this message of repentance which is talking about turning from your sin and turning to God. With my authority, take this message of repentance to all the nations. Beginning in Jerusalem, there is forgiveness of sins for, what percentage is that word? 100%. There is forgiveness of sins for all who turn to me. Every man, woman, boy, girl who's in this room, who's upstairs, who's watching us online, every one of us can turn from our sins and turn to God, and he delights in forgiving us all. You'll never come to a situation where God goes, "Uh, well, you did that? No, that's not okay. He forgives us. He forgives us. He forgives us. And he wants to forgive us. Take this message of repentance to all the nations. Repentance. Take this message of repentance that we need to turn from our sin and turn to God. Everybody needs to know about it. He says, there is forgiveness of sins for all who turn to me. You know, I was thinking about it a little bit ago when you asked about do any of us feel like we could identify with Paul as being the chiefest of sinners. And and, and in that split second, because you didn't ask that question last night, I was just sitting here thinking, nah. And then I'm like, yeah. You know, I got born again when I was 14. And I was a pretty good kid. But my sins would have sent me to hell just as much as somebody who was a murderer. 
you know? So it doesn't matter what our sin is. If we are in disobedience to God, if we're not doing the things that please him, you know, we're all the chiefest of sinners. We all, and he we says all for, need a Savior. For all of us have sinned. And all of us receive that forgiveness if we turn to him. Doesn't matter. That's right. Doesn't matter what we've done. And, and what, does anybody know what the wages of sin is? It's death. No matter what you think, and no matter what you're thinking about in the church services you go for the many years you live here on this earth, he says, for all have sinned and all fall short, and the wages of sin is death. No matter what you think, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life that comes with forgiveness. And to be forgiven, you've got to turn from your sin. There's a repentance. Turn from my sin, and I turn to God. And he forgives me. I believe what he did, and I, I receive what he did for me, yeah. and I'm forgiven. It's that simple. Everybody can receive forgiveness. It's not that you got to go to church, you know, like, you know, 2,000 times in your lifetime, and then you can get forgiven, you know. There's nothing to do with that at all. It has to do with turning from our sin and turning to God, believing that what Jesus did was enough. God paid for my sins with the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter replied, Each of you must turn from your sins. There it is again. And turn to God. Every time I turn around, there's another verse where he says, We must turn from our sins and turn to God. And then he says, And be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Anybody here ever been baptized? Yes. I've been baptized. Now, Baptism does not save you. All it's doing is like my brown paper bag. Baptism is an object lesson for your friends and family. It's an object lesson. I've died to my old sinful life. And once you die, you're buried. But, but then, shortly after you're baptized, you're brought back up out of the water. That's talking about you've tapped into that resurrection life. Now. It's just acting out what God has already done in you, and you identify with that. It's this fantastic object lesson. Let's read that again, dear. Where were we with that here? You don't know where you're at? I'll, I'll, I'll just read the whole thing then. We'll start in Genesis and work our way through Revelation. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children. Where are we? Is that right? <laughs> yeah, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children. Whoa, 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 whoa. This promise God gives it to us and to our children? Yes, of forgiveness and of the Holy Spirit. So we need to teach our children Hey, guys, we need to turn from our sins. And, and, and we need to turn to God. And, and he sends his Holy Spirit to empower us and lead us and guide us into all truth. And he's given us this book of promises. All these wonderful promises is for me and my kids. Yes. And, and salvation is for me and my kids. That's right. 
That's amazing. This promise is to you and your children and even to the Gentiles, all who have been called by the Lord our God. And, 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 and you, do you know who the Gentiles was? Us. <laughs> the Gentiles was anybody who wasn't a Jew. They considered the Jewish people were the people of God, and if you wasn't a Jew, you was a Gentile. So between Jew and Gentile, it includes includes everybody on the planet. That's what he's talking about here. And he's talking about anybody, even though you weren't born in Jerusalem, you, you know, you, you didn't have that kind of a covenant uh, or, or, or noble kind of a birth. But he says in Acts, uh, let me see here, verse 39, it says, This promise is to you and to your children and even to the Gentiles, all who have been called by the Lord our God. When the others heard this, all their objections were answered, and they began praising God, and they said, God has also given the Gentiles the privilege of turning from their sin and receiving eternal life. It's for everybody. 100% of people on this planet can turn from their sin, and they can turn to God, and God will forgive them. That's awesome. That's kind of mind-blowing. When you think, I don't know about that. Now, there's a, a thing that's called a strangler fig. It, 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 it lives not in this particular country, but it, it lives and, and grows, and it's a little fig thing, but it's not edible except to cattle and to birds. And these little strangler figs, the, the birds eat them, and, and after the birds eat them, the birds have to clean off their beak because there's this kind of sticky glue stuff on the strangler figs. And they'll go over to a, a tree, like a palm tree or something, because that's where they grow at most of the time, and then they wipe in their beak on a palm branch there and, and, and to, to get all that glue stuff off of them. And as it rains and, and the, the glue with the seeds of the strangler fig begins to germinate and little roots begin to grow down into the tree, into the wood part of the tree. And, and it begins to lift its name. It begins to strangle the tree. And the tree in time begins to die. And all the branches and all begin to fall off of the, the tree because the strangler fig was allowed to grow on it. And, and, and what you need to do if you don't want the strangler fig killing all your trees is, is, is you need to do something. And you need to cut the roots and the vines out of the strangler fig. And it will revive. If you, if you don't cut the roots out, the tree will die. But if, if you cut the, the vines and the roots out of the tree, you have a revival taking place. Now, what is the strangler fig in your life? What is it that strangles the life of God? And it happens at such a slow pace, we allow it to strangle the life of God out of us. 
And God does expect you to cut out the strangler figs, seeds, and roots. Can we read Hebrews chapter 4? Verse 12 says, For the word of God is full of living power. The what? The word of God is full of living power. The word of God is full of living power. It is sharper than the sharpest knife. Now, this is a sharp knife. I sharpen it just about every day. It don't take you long to sharpen a sharp knife. And he says here, the word is full of living power, and the word of God is sharper than the sharpest knife. And this is sharper than this. This is so much sharper than this. And that which this cannot do, on a spiritual note, those strangler figs, this is full of living power, and it's sharper than the sharpest knife. Cutting deep into our innermost thoughts. Do you ever have thoughts that aren't got to be in there? Or all those thoughts get in there, and this right here as we read it, it's sharper than the sharpest knife, and it cuts out all those roots and that glue and that stuff that, that just does us no good. And he says here, for the word of God is full of living power, and it is sharper than the sharpest knife, cutting deep into our innermost thoughts and our desires. That strangler fig is strangling some of you. And you well, how come this is not going so good in my life? How come this is not going so good? I'm not saying I know all of those things. But I do know a strangler fig is what it does is it strangles. And I do know what sin does. It strangles. And the Bible tells us to repent. That means to turn away from it and turn to God. There's two things going on here. I'm turning away from the strangler fig. I'm turning away from my sin and I'm turning to God. And his word is full of life. Living power, sharper than the sharpest knife. And he says, cutting deep into our innermost thoughts and our desires. And I don't know if you... Are you in the Bible every day? I come to church once in a while and I hear the Bible. You know what? Those, those strangler figs, those seeds... You, you got to stay after them rascals. We, 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 we got to get them out of our life. We, we really do. And here's the knife. As I'm, I'm reading God's word, faith rises up and faith comes by hearing the word. And faith is the substance of things what? Hoped for. Hoped for. And what is hope? The confident expectation, confident expectation for future, of the future. success. And it just cuts out all the doubt and the unbelief and all that mm-hmm. kinds of stuff. It exposes us for what we really are. God's word exposes it does. us. What happens when you cut out the strangler figs? We're free. Revival. 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 We grow. We, we do what God created us to do. Those, those sinful fig things, it, it stifles us. It strangles us is what I'm talking about. Verse 13 says, nothing in all creation can hide from him. 
Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. This is the God to whom we must explain all that we have done. We got to stand before God one day and give account for everything we've done. We've got to give account, you know. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 16 says, Wash yourselves and be clean. Let me no longer see your evil deeds. Give up your wicked ways. Turn, repent, give them up. Make that decision today. You know, God tugs at your heart. Today is the day to give up the wicked ways. Today is the day to do that. And maybe at the end of the service, maybe you come for some prayer. Maybe you do it while you're in your seat. Maybe you come across the, the circle here and say, Lord, today I give it all up to you. I turn from my sin and I turn toward you. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Help the oppressed. Defend the orphan. Fight for the rights of widows. Come now. Let us argue this out, says the Lord. No matter how deep the stain of your sins. I can remove it. Woo. That's good at all. No, they're used to you. <laughs> I can remove it. That's scary that time. I'm not sure how much I can get. Well, the thing of it is, God, he says, you don't have sin that is so deep that I can't get out. That's right. He can remove it no matter what you've ever done. He wants you to turn from your sin and turn to him and he'll forgive you and cleanse you. And there'll be no more strangler figs growing in your life. And you can blossom and bloom and do all that God created you to do, no matter what's in your past. That's what he tells us in his word. I can make you as clean as freshly fallen snow. Even if you are stained as red as crimson, I can make you as white as wool. Wow. Ezra 9 verse 6 says, I prayed, Oh my God, I am utterly ashamed. I blush to lift my face to you, lift up my face to you. For our sins are piled higher than our heads, and our guilt has reached to the heavens. Yeah, we we're we're pretty ashamed of our our sins. And and hopefully that shame will drive us to the one who can forgive us and cleanse us. Do we do this? We didn't. Well, let's don't do that now then, okay? Mm-hmm. Need to start here. Yeah. Acts chapter 20, verse 21. I have had one message for Jews and Gentiles alike, the necessity of turning from sin and turning to God and of faith in our Lord Jesus. How many verses does it say, turn from your sin and turn to God? Must be pretty important. Have you ever seen that in your Bible? Mm -hmm. It's in there quite often. Must be pretty important. But my life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about God's wonderful kindness and love. Ezekiel 18, verse 23 says, Do you think, asked the Sovereign Lord, that I like to see wicked people die? Do you think God likes to see the wicked people die? No. Not at all. Of course not. I only want them to turn from their wicked ways and live. However, 
If righteous people turn to sinful ways and start acting like other sinners, should they be allowed to live? No, of course not. All their previous goodness will be forgotten and they will die for their sins. Yet you say, the Lord isn't being just. Listen to me, O people of Israel. Am I the one who is unjust or is it you? When righteous people turn from being good and start doing sinful things, they will die for it. Yes, they will die because of their sinful deeds. And if wicked people turn away from their wickedness, obey the law and do what is just and right, they will save their lives. They will live because after thinking it over, they decided to turn from their sins. Turn from their sins and turn to God. Such people will not die. And yet the people of Israel keep saying, the Lord is unjust. O people of Israel, it is you who are unjust, not I. Therefore, I will judge each of you, O people of Israel, according to your actions, says the sovereign Lord. Turn from your sins. Don't let them destroy you. Turn from your sins. Turn from the strangler figs. They will destroy you if you don't turn from them. Put all your rebellion behind you and get for yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. A new heart? That's what God offers us. A A new new heart heart and a new spirit? If we turn from our sins. Put your rebellion behind you and get for yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. For why should you die, O people of Israel? I don't want you to die, says the sovereign Lord. Turn back and live. Turn back. Experience revival. That's what he's telling us. Proverbs 28 verse 13 says, People who cover over their sins will not prosper. Have you ever wondered about that? Well, you know, i just covering over all the, the strangler figs. You know, nobody will know that. They won't know all that. And then we wonder, well, why, aren't, why aren't my trees blossoming? Why aren't... Why don't I have a prosperous garden, a prosperous farm? Why not? And and what does he say there? People who cover over their sins will not prosper. And and they try to hide them. But if they confess and forsake them, they will receive mercy. Wow. They confess their sins and they forsake them, they will have mercy. They laugh and smile and talk and embrace, and I do too. But sometimes my smile covers a tear, and no one knows. Right now, my tear is from an it. My tear is from an it. Think about this for a moment. Do you you have an it? I'm sorry. So very sorry. I did it. Do you have an it that you're sorry for? I feel like a broken record and the skip is the it that never completely goes away. What would they think if they knew my it? What would we think if we knew your it? Or you knew my it? What would we think? Would the laughs vanish, the smiles disappear? Would the talk be hurled at me, the embrace taken back? Do they have an it? What do they do with it? Why do we act for each other when there is no play? There is only one life. And that life includes a lot of it. The point is not to celebrate it, but only to admit to, admit to it. I am told Jesus 
knows everything, which means he knows about it. And yet he whispers in words too good to be true, I died for you. Turn from it. I forgive you for it. And don't worry about it. When you turn from it, our sins, and we turn to God, he forgives it. And you can genuinely forget it. And you can leave it behind. And revival comes. And, and where Strangler Figs was trying to take over and, and, and drop everything and put to death everything that would be positive in your life, the Strangler Figs die when you turn to God. Did you hear that? You want me to read it? I'll read it. On a cold February night in 2001, Erica, age one, somehow wandered out of her house and spent the entire night outside. When her mother... How, who, how old was she? One year old. That's how old our grandson, Miracle's son, is. Dakota, yeah. He, he's a year old, so you can kind of imagine what this is like. When her mother, Layla Nordby, found the little girl, Erica appeared to be totally frozen. Her legs were stiff and her body frozen, and all signs of life appeared to be gone. Erica was treated at Edmonton Stollery Children's Health Center. To the amazement of doctors, the toddler showed no sign of brain damage. They gave Erica a clear prognosis. She would soon hop and skip and play like other girls her age. Some of us have wandered away from our father's house, and it has brought us near the point of death. Some of us have wandered from our father. Our Father, which art in heaven, we've, we've wandered from his house. And it has brought us near the point of death. Our hearts have hardened and our spiritual bodies look as lifeless as the little girl in the snow. But our Father knows we are missing and is searching for us. He can take our lifeless spirits and restore us to health. It's revival. Let the Father pick you up and take you back to his house. That's a choice that we'll make. We'll turn from our sin, and we'll turn toward God. It's that simple. That's repentance. We'll draw a circle, and we'll say, God, send a revival right here. Revive me. I need reviving. I turn from my sinful ways, and I turn to you. And God revives us and puts to death all of those strangler figs in our life. And he's looking for you. You know, sometimes it, it, we may not quite grasp how much Father, Papa God loves us. And he's looking for you. He throws a sunrise out there trying to get your attention. He's like, I did that for you. And the sunset and all the beautiful things that are in this whole world, he's trying to get our attention and he's looking for you and he's looking for me and for those in our sphere of influence. He's looking for us. He loves us and he wants to revive us. Send a revival in your life. It's not too late to experience revival in your life right now. It's like let God do what God wants to do in your life. Because there's a day that's coming when 
We're going to meet him face to face and let him revive us right now and let him start a revival in your household and in your community, in your church. Let him start a revival. Let him start it in you. That's where it starts at. Our, our time is up right now. We'll have to continue this another time. But I'd like you to bow your heads with me. And I'd like you, if, yeah, I'd like you if, to do, as I always do, to reaffirm your faith in God and to declare your faith in him if, if you've never declared it before. But I would ask that it would be serious. It wouldn't just be a ceremonial kind of a thing of doing it, but it's just like, I really want God to revive me. I want him to change me. I want him to breathe life into me. I want God to do what he created me for. Would you pray with me right now? Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. I believe that you do love me. I believe that you do love me. And that you have a purpose for my life. And that you have a purpose for my life. I am sorry for my sins. I am sorry for my sins. And I turn from my sins. And I turn from my sins. And I turn toward you. And I turn towards you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your Thank love. you for sending Jesus. Thank you for sending Jesus. I believe he died in my place. I believe he died in my place. To wash all my sins away. To wash all my sins away. And to forgive me. And forgive me. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. I believe that Jesus and rose he from is the alive. dead. And he is alive. Fill me with Jesus. Fill me with Jesus. Every area in my life. Every area in my I life. I want to live for him. I want to live for him. I want to live my life. I want to live my life. Completely. Completely. A hundred percent. One hundred percent. I'm all in. I'm all in. For you. For you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.